Hello, and welcome to Found One, Queer Life with Nat and KT. Hi, I'm Nat. I'm a queer who uses she, her, hers pronouns, and I knew I was queer when I was singled out. Again, this is another academia story. (laughs) When I was singled out by faculty and staff and asked to do the campus climate survey so they could find out how they were doing in terms of LGBT students. What did you find? I don't know. I haven't even written the survey yet. I'm like, this is like the least of my priorities right now. Yeah. So I have it done in nine days. I'm good. I got time. Hey, y'all. I'm KT. I'm a genderqueer who uses they, them, their pronouns, and I knew I was queer this morning when I went to my general practitioner and saw on my medical records that I specifically, I knew I was genderqueer when I specifically saw a diagnosis of gender dysphoria and I gender identity disorder, and I was like, hmm, hmm, that, that, that means you're queer. Me feel good on the inside, but yeah. So that happened. Yeah, that. <sighs> so, Found One is a podcast that talks about queer life and its many variations in pop culture, sports, news, academics, and everything else. We're hoping to fill the gap of queers talking about queers for queers with wit and honesty. All right, Nat. What do we have going on for today's episode? Well, today we have three things on the agenda. We have our news roundup, our patented news roundup. Oh, yeah. Um, We have unsolicited advice on in-laws and name changes. And then we're ending it with a discussion on what's it like being a women's sports fan. Interesting. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) You came up with half of them. (laughs) All right. Tell me what's in the news. Okay, well, the first thing we're going to just mention, again, we're doing the quicker news roundups now. Um, ESPN fired Kurt Schilling. Great. Why? Um, So apparently he shared on his Facebook a very, what BuzzFeed called, insensitive post that about transgender people. Um, The more blunt way of putting it was that it was transphobic as all hell. Yeah. Um, really making fun of trans women. Of course, trans women are usually the butts of transphobic jokes. Um, and not taking the North Carolina bathroom bill seriously at all. It was very offensive. Yeah, it it was, wasn't yeah. insensitive. It was just straight up offensive. Yeah. Um, very, <sighs> it's, it's disgusting. But, um, ESPN fired him. That's awesome. Yeah. And so... What do you think about that? Do you think that's good enough? What do you think that says about ESPN? How should we as queer people take that? Uh, I think I think as uh, what they are, ESPN, mm-hmm. I think they did what they need to do. I right. Mean, they, can't, they can't go any further. Right. Um, they could, you know, sort of, I guess, send a memo. And I, I bet they have sent, like, an internal memo saying, if you do this, we will fire you. Da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they fired him. I don't really want it to be any bigger than that at the end. But are we proud of ESPN? No. Right. Like, that's kind of how, like, I'm like, okay, you did your basic duty, but, like, should we be lauding ESPN? And, I mean, this story broke on my phone, like, five minutes ago, so I don't know if people are really, like, saying good job ESPN, but I always have that fear, like, people start applauding others for, like... Mediocrity. Not just mediocrity, but, like, just doing what should be the norm. Yeah. Um, All right, what's next? So next we're going to be talking about Harriet Tubman. Okay. What's going on with Harriet Tubman? She's on the $20 bill now. What? Well, not right this second, but she will be put on the $20 bill, I believe, in 2030. Oh. That's far really away. <laughs> I'm going to be now. 40 when Harriet Tubman's on oh, the bill. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Um, apologies if that isn't correct, but that is what I read online. Um... But yeah, they are choosing to put Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill, and I'm actually pretty stoked about that. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it as well, because there was a lot of rumors flying around that a woman was going to be put on the $20 bill, and then it was like, oh, just kidding, the $10 bill, because women aren't as important as we thought they were, Mm da-da-da. But then now it's back to the $20 bill, and it's one of the most badass 
women, women from history. And I mean black women. Yes, exactly. And I think that's really important to acknowledge. Um, there was some... I remember when this was first being talked about, and I believe the article that's being shared again, the Guardian article about why it's not great that she's going to be on the $20 bill, uh, is being shared again. And talks about how Harriet Tubman was essentially anti-capitalist. I mean, she freed slaves. She was stealing people's property, quote-unquote. And how it's almost disrespectful to her memory to be included on the $20 bill. And while I think that's a valid... Do we know she was anti-capitalism? Well, I think that the author postulated by her very actions of, I'm against a system that the only way it can be profitable if it's on the back of exploited people is anti-capitalist. I mean, that is inherently anti-capitalist. Yes. I'm just... And I, I think that's a valid argument, but I also am just really excited to see her on the $20 bill for I her to be... I just also think that you can't postulate what the heck a dead person would think about... Her being recognized as a historic, very monumental figure. Yeah. Right. That sounds really silly to me. But it sounds... Yeah, I do think it's a valid argument. I am totally love the anti-capitalist arguments, but I think that this more than a symbol of capitalism is a symbol we're trying to acknowledge our history and acknowledge the really big impact she had on the United States. She did an, an incredible amount. Yeah. So what's next? What are we talking about next? Uh, just a little hit. It is a little hit. <laughs> yeah, you like that? I it do. It is 420. And our drug laws are still racist as everything is in society. So that sucks. And I think we can leave it at that. There's really no more to say about that. Yeah, the weed boom has happened for white people. Not black people. Not black people. And so, or people of color. And so, yeah. Yep. Yay for 420 for white people. Yeah. And the war on drugs still being a thing and you a know, bunch of other crap. Criminalization over rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Um, on to better news, though, in our last bit of our news roundup is that cisgender and genderqueer were uh, added to the Merriam-Webber Dictionary, I do Webster, believe. Merriam-Webster. Yeah. <laughs> Webber. Who the hell's that? <laughs> All I know is that it's mw.com. Like, I didn't buy this dictionary. But essentially, these two words have been added to the dictionary. And I really wanted to talk to you about how you felt about that. As someone who identifies as genderqueer, does that word being in the dictionary add any add anything for you okay it's sort of like when we were allowed to get married like on Mm -hmm. uh, legally in kentucky because of the ruling right um it it added validity so this this there obviously this was not a legal step this was just a sort of an awareness campaign Right, uh, and I think step. that you talk about that a lot, a lot, that the language just doesn't exist for you yet. Yeah. And so now this word is in the dictionary. Exactly. Whether or not people will use it is another thing, I'd assume, but it is in the dictionary. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, people do use it, mm-hmm. obviously, in the community now. Mm-hmm. I just think now we don't have to explain what we mean. We can just say, look it up. Right. You know what I mean? That that adds a sense of security. Like, yeah, it's a thing, you idiot. It's in the dictionary. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I really, really enjoyed that they added cisgender into the dictionary as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also because I really, really hope it has an impact on academia because I'm so tired of reading the surveys where it's just like, you're transgender or you're not. Like, like transgender is a special identity, but it's not. It's just... An identity. It's just an adjective for yeah. an identity. Um, and now cisgender is too. Yeah. Is too. And it should... Yeah. It, it, we aren't special. We don't get to, like, not have this adjective. Um, and so the fact that it was added to the dictionary, I really hope that I see more people use, use it, acknowledge it, use it in surveys. I mean, it's just the dictionary, and it doesn't really change people's actions, but it does normalize some things. Yeah. Um, and I think that I'm not a fan of awareness campaigns, but I do appreciate, like, we need a first step. Yeah. For the genderqueer community, the TGNC community needs, yeah, needs all of this. 
Uh, they need every little bit they can get. Right, exactly. So. They still do need every little bit. Any last thoughts as a genderqueer person? Do you think this would make it any easier coming out to people? No. I think <laughs> that I appreciate that bluntness. <laughs> I think that if there was a third gender word mm-hmm. that was added to the dictionary. What do you mean by third gender word? Uh, he, uh, he, she. So like if Z was added to the dictionary. So anything, not mm-hmm. that one particularly. I kind of really am not a fan of all of those sort of out of the way pronouns. They just don't feel. For you. For yeah. some people they do feel very. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, mm-hmm. you know, which whichever one makes it into the dictionary, I want it to get into the dictionary. Right. So. But you think having that pronoun would help? Yeah, definitely. Because it would just become more part of vernacular? Yeah. I mean, if a word exists, then people are going to use it, and then it seeps into everything. Right. Do you almost think then, not to get off too much on a tangent, but how, like, will the dictionary lead to, so if a pronoun, let's just say Z, if Z gets added to the dictionary, um, do you think, for example, elementary schools will automatically start picking it up and in their little workshop assignments, like, start using Z? Like, what will it take to add No, that? I don't think elementary – I feel like society would fight again. I mean, there are schools that are erasing the word slave from their history books. Right. There are schools that are erasing the uh, words uh, that have to do with everything that has to do with our – evolution yeah yeah with with everything from history that we just don't want to talk about Mm -hmm. to science that people just don't want to believe in it's ridiculous to think that um education is pure like that it's not right i agree it's not pure like that i just i think it would be interesting to see what it would take to get a third gender pronoun to be put into our curriculum because that's the way it's going to be legally it would have to be it would have to be by law right i guess i just wanted to have and i had a really good conversation with a school teacher on tuesday i'll talk about this to you outside of the podcast good plan good plan is that it for our news roundup anything else you want to add nope that's it awesome All right, after that, totally, definitely, it was five minutes of news roundup, not. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, so what's our next segment? Uh, we're going to go into some unsolicited advice. Again, I think we just are really narcissistic here at Yeah, we are one. really, really narcissistic. I love giving advice. I especially love giving it when it's unsolicited. <laughs> it just comes flowing out of me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh... In this segment of unsolicited advice, we're going to talk about in-laws, getting married, and changing your name. Those those things specifically. They all sort of tied together. They all tie together. Yeah. Um, so the first, the first point here in being queer and... Well, just getting this married is, and having a This is getting married in general. This yeah, is not this even is not being queer. Yeah, this is just a queer issue. Um, but you don't just and and there and this is the the reason we're talking we're going to even talk about in-laws and naming cha- changing your name you know if you just got your partner a lot of these things that we're going to talk about would not even occur right so you don't just get your partner you get, right you get their whole family yeah when you uh when you put a ring on it or when you start committing you know a committed relationship yeah. You start a committed relationship with like 20 new people. Yeah. It's <laughs> oh, um you <laughs> you really don't know about it. I can I it's like the least talked about thing. Right? Like I have a first date outfit for what I meet like new members of your family. Yeah. Like I think about what am I going to wear? How am I going to do my hair? Like all these ridiculous things because it's like i have to make a good impression what are going to be my talking points what are things to avoid what are things we can get along with you know how will i know the relationship is right you have to grill your partner for facts about this person so that you can basically have a good interview 
Right. Or you just, you know, take your partner to a wedding and you wish them good luck and let them get hugged by 20 people. Listen, everything turned out fine. <laughs> uh-huh. Everything turned out fine, they say. Oh. All right. Uh, and then also, um, and this, this, yeah, you, if you have a partner and you are starting to get committed, you don't just get your partner or maybe you do just get, get your, your partner. partner. And that really stinks as well. Right. Because I call this being a theoretical ally. Like sometimes your family and your friends think they're cool with you being queer, but then suddenly you're like very saliently queer. You with have a, a partner. Of the relationship. Right. You have a partner. And then they're suddenly not okay with you being queer. Yeah. By word they are, but they forget how to use a phone. They forget how to use a car when you're in town. Yeah. They just like disappear. Yeah. Or they just ask about your 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 friend your it's friend like your lifelong friend i really enjoy our lifelong friendship kt me too it's just crazy because you get like ready and you psych yourself up like okay i'm gonna meet these people 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 and then you get there and you don't meet them <laughs> and it's really hard to not take it personally yeah. um even outside of just like for me, I know it is harder for you a lot of the times with your family because they are your family, but it's so hard for me to not take it personally because I'm like, how am I not good enough? Yeah. Like, I am awesome. I am, you know, working and going to school and I can bake and I'm cute and like all this other stuff. How am I not good enough? And it's really hard to then not take it personally. And then the next level, it's really hard then not to get into an argument with your partner. Yeah. Because your partner is upset you're upset, and suddenly you're butting heads. Yeah, I would say that early on in our relationship, our stressors that sort of made us have mm-hmm. discussions, let's call them... Discussions, quote-unquote. Yeah, let's call them discussions, uh, were about sort of, you know, normal things. Family, money, yeah. and and... I don't know. I mean, we're queer, but we're still just people in a relationship. I think a lot of the main tenets of a relationship hold for queer and non-queer people. And I know this is probably a point of debate, whether, like, the assimilation of queer identities versus the non-assimilation of queer identities and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like, in committed relationships, a lot of those core tenets hold. Yeah. Um, and I think very much going along with our first point, you don't just get your partner, you get your partner's family, mm-hmm. but you have to remember you're in it for your partner. Like exactly. you wake up with the choice every day to be with your partner. And so, yes, sometimes it sucks that for some reason their family doesn't like you. Their family is totally cool with them being queer until you exist. Yeah. Um, and but- what's even trickier, um, because I would like to tease apart yeah uh the generalization of my family some parts of my family Mm -hmm. are like yes we love you oh my gosh you're amazing yeah you know i love you nat give me a hug and then you're like oh my god i hate hugs okay (laughs) give me a hug (laughs) yeah um (laughs) and then some parts of my family it's like oh katie's friend nat and then some parts of my family are like (gasps) Yeah. That's, like, the only communication I've ever gotten from them. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't talking about just your family in general. It's just kind grunting. of Just talking about anyone who's in a queer relationship in yeah, general. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but, that, but, I, but I think ha- me having a big family. Yes, you have a very large family. All of that sort of swirling around and interacting. Right, because I had to figure out nuts. how to interact with, like, 40 different people who each 40 different – each of the 40 different people had a different relationship with how okay they were with me. And you had to deal and me. with yeah. yeah, and you had to deal with like what three other people in my family. Yeah, <laughs> like so far, <laughs> this has been so frustrating for me. I'm like, of course you have it so much easier. You just have to get along with these three people, and I'm like, okay, so this is this person. I have family trees saved on my phone, <laughs> little notes about like on a scale from one to ten, how okay are they with the queer? It's hard, <laughs> and it's it's. I really remember when we were living in our first apartment together. I have these visceral memories of our arguments, getting ready to go visit your family and like just arguing about 
me accidentally sleep slipping up and saying your family hates me because I was so insecure about it and you were so insecure about whether or not your family was okay with you being queer that we just had so many arguments. Yeah, and it wasn't about whether or not at the end of the day we were going to be okay. Right. It, it was it was about you know how we were going to interact in that setting. In that setting. Because I think it's really hard to go from your apartment where you're living there and every like you can be as queer as you want. Our cats aren't going to judge us. We pet them. We feed them. They love us, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to judge you for how queer you are. You're not going to judge me for how queer I am. But then to go from that very accepting space to going to another space where you don't know if it's going to be accepting or not is always going to put a strain on yeah. your relationship. And it- I would also like to say a setting that's not queer. Yeah, it's not. It's very, very straight. And they have, and I think this goes with our next point, like these expected and unexpected gender norms. Exactly. Sometimes, some of them really do still very much impose a man-woman role on us because you are more masculine than I am. Yeah. Um, and they also don't know about your gender identity yet. No, and I don't, I don't really feel the need to tell them yet. Right, which is sometimes weird for me because I hate it, but sometimes I'll pick up the way your family says your name. Oh, yeah. And they and your family will say it differently than when, the way I say your name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird for me to code switch that way. Yeah, I hear you. But, yeah, there's, like, this weird, like, the dudes will go over and talk to you about making a fire and I'll be like talking about shopping with some women. And I'm like, I'm cool with that. I love talking about shopping. I love, I would rather hang out with the women in your family than the men any day of the week. But it's just weird how they've like still really, really tried to make us a heterosexual couple. I know. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, it is pretty funny. It is funny. It's funny. But then also people in our our own community will do the same thing oh, yeah, in totally. very weird ways. People are surprised when they when they hear that I didn't propose to you and right. I know that sends you up the wall. It does. I mean, I worked really hard for that proposal. <laughs> yeah. And I know it sort of really um I don't know, just annoys me that people expect me to be a certain way. Right. Just <laughs> Because of um, subtle expressions. Like, people are surprised that you cook me dinner. Yeah, what is that about? Like, I'm, I'm so- a good cook, dang it. Right? And, <laughs> and my straight friends do this all the time. I know we're veering a little bit off topic, but I think it's an important discussion. Like, I have two friends within the program, and they, like, sometimes, like, uh, put you in the role of a boyfriend or a, yeah. you know, male partner. Like, oh, those men, they suck, they won't make us dinner kind of deal. Um, but I'm like, I don't know what that's like. Like, I have a very, very loving relationship with my partner. There are no gender roles in our relationship. You cook me dinner when you feel like it, which is most of the time because you like cooking dinner and you're sweet and you know I work my ass off. (laughs) And, like, it's weird just, like, how much these gender roles get imposed on us. And our family is so aware of our queer identities because they also get so annoyed with our queer identities sometimes. Yeah. But then they still, like, try to make us as heterosexual as possible. Yeah. Hmm. And I know you wanted to talk about that and the gender norms a little bit of the name change. Yeah, um, I just changed my name from my... <laughs> Maiden name. <laughs> Your maiden what name. Is that I word? can't believe that you have a maiden name. I know. That's oh my God. so messed up. <sighs> my given legal last name. <laughs> Your original legal name. Yeah. Legal name version one. <laughs> um to your last name. Yeah. And there were a lot of uh, really valid, really good reasons for me to do this that I don't need to, that I don't feel the need to um, right. expound on um, as a way of validating it for myself. But, you know, just just to expound on them in general is mm-hmm. fine. Um, so when we have, first of all, it's free to do. Yeah. It's in the first year, I believe. It I might be no different. Um, but... 
I know that it's free to do. Right. If you get married, it's free to do. Yeah. Um, so you get you get a new social security card and uh, a new driver's license for free, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Right. Uh, because <laughs> that can be really costly yeah. if not. Um, and I and it's important for me because when we start to try to have children, I don't know all of the ins and outs of all of that, but I want to have the same last name as my child. Right. There's like. And legally, that makes things easier. Right. Sorry for cutting you off. No, completely valid. Like, there's just a validity of having, the like, your nuclear family, everyone having the same last name. Yeah. Like, people can just incorporate that into their minds easier. Um, and even, like, I used to have to pretend I was you when <laughs> I would, like, go pick up your pills or at the pharmacy or I would go run an errand for you and it was under your name because it was just easier to explain that. Yeah. Uh, that I am you instead of being like, I'm your spouse. Like, people just doubt that inherently if you are. Exactly. If you seem to them because they're, you know, cisnormative, that you're in a same gender relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now when you, I share the same name as you. Like, you put things under the same last name. Exactly. Even if they choose to see us as sisters, at least they know, like, we are family. Like, yes. it is very, very validating for me. Yeah. Yeah. And for me as well. Although it's coming with some anxieties, I haven't told my immediate family um, yet. Yeah. Just because I'm a little bit afraid of how they're going to react. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to react in a specific way, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I'm just anxious about it. And I'll get over it and we'll see how it goes and blah, blah, blah. It'll be fine. Probably Probably But... I'm I'm just afraid that because of how I express, I'm a little bit more masculine, mm-hmm. which drives me up the wall because that does not make me a man. That just anyway, yeah, it just puts expectations on me that people will assume that I will take your last name exactly because you're more masculine, I'm more feminine, and to make it more complicated as well, you have an easier last name. Exactly, there's I, definitely I had. <laughs> you had there's definitely sexism and xenophobia when it comes to my last yeah, name. Yeah, there's oh my gosh, and then I feel like. I can't decide which one infuriates me more. It's like, oh, why would you change your last name from such an easy last name <coughs> to that really hard crap with a bunch of extra Constant letters and yeah. da da da? You don't know me, right. first of all. Uh, secondly, your xenophobia is the only thing that makes it more difficult. Exactly. I mean, okay, yes, it's longer, but it's not. It's not Harder. any longer than the word Christopher. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. You know, just just have, just hold on a minute. Let me tell you how to spell it. Yeah. And I promise you, if you say it to, if you, if you are a person that needs to know what my new last name is, you'll figure it out. Right. You know, when, when we change our phone numbers... Mm-hmm. People don't go. God, why did you change it from that really from that one I had already memorized to this new one? What is what the hell is wrong with you? Just stop whining. Right. You figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. That's on you. That's not on me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just a little bit afraid. Lastly, that um, this is somehow going to be a signal, or my family is going to take this or perceive this name change as a signal that. I don't want to be a part of them anymore. Or that you found a family you prefer more. Yeah, which is probably a ridiculous fear. Yeah, but Um, I think it's a fear a lot of people have, both straight, gay, queer, whatever, when they get married. Because I think a lot of parents worry that their children, their their child is going to like someone more than them. Yeah, and I, I just, I'm afraid of it being um, sort of more intense in this situation because we're both mm. technically born female. Right. And so, uh, why oh, why do you have to change your, your last name? I could come armed with to the teeth with all of, you know, these legal mm-hmm. reasons, reasons for, like, later when we ha- want to adopt kids, us yeah. having the same last name, da 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 da, da. But why couldn't they change their name to your, to our last name? Oh my gosh. Why can't you just respect me as a human? Right. Like, I'm still your family. I'm going to love you. And I, like I said, it's probably 
a non-issue, but I'm sure that this has happened and will continue to happen mm-hmm. for queer people for generations to come. Right. It's just... I, I think... I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but a lot of people, especially among women, there's sort of like this quote of this like little spur of feminism to not change your last name. And I totally think that's valid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think there's a lot of pushing of if you're a real feminist, you won't change your last name. I think that's such a load of crap. I agree. I think it's a load of crap, too, because I think in our situation, like it felt really good to have the same last name as you. Yeah. Um, And I don't think you felt like you lost any of like your sense of self because you took my last name no right i know who the crap i am (laughs) right for me i did not want to change my last name and if you hadn't wanted to change your last name that would have been cool but like for me my last name is really important partially because of the xenophobic society like united states that i grew up in yeah um and like learning to be okay with my last name and then also within the field of academia that's really important so I understand that argument, but I need people to also be sympathetic of the fact that sometimes people do want to change their last names, and it's valid, and it's not, I'm choosing a different family because I don't like you all, or, you know, I want to fulfill this role. It's just... It makes more sense. It's comforting. Yeah, it makes more sense for those people. Also, I would like to tangentially point out that <laughs> I have a job where I have to have my name printed out, mm-hmm. my first and last, and I have it as kt and then yeah our last name and i really love mm-hmm. people being like oh, is that polish or what where does that come from because i get to impersonate you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and your family's heritage and i'm like yes it's polish i mean i eventually followed up with well it's my spouse's yeah. last name my, my spouse's family um and <laughs> but for a hot second i'm like Yes, I'm interested. <laughs> Adorable. I know how to say this out loud. Do you yeah. want me to say it for you? I will. I'm sure that'll wear off. <laughs> Once you years. get used to it. Eventually it'll also become annoying. Like yeah. 25 years later, almost 26, I'm totally fine with... If no one ever told me again or asked me if I cried because I had to learn how to spell my last name, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. When I get that, I except for now, I get to go, come to, at those people armed to the teeth with your, yeah. you know, almost 26 years of experience. I've told you all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be a flaming hot mess when that goes down. Oh, I'm so excited. All right. Yeah. Do we want to touch a little bit also on, uh, to get back on topic, on learning how to be okay with being integrated into the family? Yeah, Um. I think that this is not just a queer topic but it is more i guess intensified in the queer community um if you come from a background where you have had a family of mixed reactions to your queerness especially like within your nuclear family exactly that too especially within such a volatile space that a nuclear family can be Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you are in a committed relationship and they're like we love you i'm just there's just not a lot of trust happening i'm just gonna say that right now um you know i I, i'm not ashamed to say that my family had mixed reactions i mean such is the world um and then when your family was like what up like (laughs) i'm a normal human i was like i don't trust you for a second i'm just i'm just waiting for the shoe to drop and obviously that feeling has passed but it, it was definitely a thing. Yeah, it was a, also, like, I totally respected where you're coming from, and I was never upset with you, but sometimes I'd just be there, and I'd be like, oh, my God, just trust them. <laughs> just trust the fact that they aren't going to offer something to you and then take it away from you and go, ha-ha, like, <laughs> you're such a queer. <laughs> um, So, yeah, it is difficult, and I think even with me, with the part of your family who's been really accepting, it's weird for me to think that, like, I have a larger family now. Like, I grew up Ooh, yeah. only thinking I had my parents and my sister, and then my sister got married, and I obviously had a brother-in-law. But still, like, that's four people. Those are the four people I've been used to for most of my life. Yes. Um, until, like, suddenly I have this these other people who, like, want to call me family and who will call me and text me. For me, that's a really weird feeling. Mm-hmm. And that has less to do with my queerness and more to do with my first-generation Americanness. But, like... 
having a large family and being okay with hugs, like, that's been something that I've really had to learn to be okay with. Like, I I still sometimes have to leave your all's house and be like, okay, there's too many people around. There's too much family, that kind of stuff. Like, I think it's just really, (laughs) it's just really important to acknowledge that, especially when you're dealing with a queer relationship, family is really, really complicated, more complicated than it's already going to be just because you're integrating two families together. Yeah. But like our families have never really interacted. Nope. I don't think they ever will. Um, Nope. And a lot, and that's both homophobia, transphobia, and xenophobia. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all of that it's all of that. it's all of that combined and i think that's a really unique experience because it is almost like we're living in two worlds yeah we do and i think that's also part of the reason why our families have so much tension with you've chosen that family you've chosen that family because both of our families have expressed that yeah 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 and you know there are not not to discount some of the parts of our family who have said say hi to so and so say hi to so and so yeah and it's like oh we you know sending love from afar mm-hmm. um because there are we have members of both of our families who are very very awesome yeah but as a whole it, it's a complicated relationship and i think what we meant by this whole segment was very much just acknowledging how difficult and loss can be yeah and how you need to have that conversation with your queer friend mm-hmm yeah your queer lifelong friendship Pardon? yeah <laughs> I'm making you a friendship bracelet as we speak, by the way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Should I make uh, I almost made a really, really bad comment. It's fine. <laughs> See, this is what happens. Yeah. Oh, oh man. We should stop talking about this. We're going to say something about somebody. <laughs> no, it's going to all that go downhill. Also, we've talked about this for like 20 minutes now. All right. Well, family, it's, it's, it's awesome and terrible all at the same time. It's sucky and beautiful and hard and amazing just be very transparent with your partner and like a, you're gonna have an argument with your partner when you're dealing you with will. in-laws at least one get over it probably like 10 yeah um, and you'll talk about it all the time yes forever yep yeah next segment next segment Alright, so I think our next segment and our last segment actually for the podcast is going to be on being a woman sports fan. And I'm gonna be honest, I wasn't a woman sports fan for a really long time. You were a fan of women for a really long time? What are you even saying that? I know. Explain yourself. I think a lot of it was internalized misogyny. Yeah, I can sucks. very, very much remember me and my dad talking about how the fact we just didn't want to watch women's soccer because they weren't as good of athletes. I know. That is the biggest – that's the reason that people sell to themselves right. so that they don't have to put any effort in. Right. And I did that to myself too. I was just like, oh, well – biologically we're not as fast or as strong bullshit what did we just see the national women's uh soccer team do and the men's soccer team not even get close to winning the world cup yeah so yeah anyway so it is it's hard being a women's sports fan i think number one because you have to get over your internalized misogyny where you just assume men's sports are better um that's like basic 101 when people ask me like yeah when people ask me how do i get into women's sports like what should i do i'm like you should evaluate your internalized misogyny yeah step number one step number one now that you've done that um a lot of the games are really really inexpensive and for free um and i think a lot of the best part about women's sports right now but also the worst part because a lot of it comes to a lack of coverage um, the two leagues I think we're going to talk about the most is the Women's Soccer League here in the U.S. and the Women's Basketball League, the two professional leagues. Yes. And I know that for the National Women's Soccer League, all their games are shown on YouTube for free. Yeah. So, like, 
there's not really a lack of coverage issue, except who wants to watch a sports game in a bar that's on YouTube? Yeah, no one. No right. one will. Right, exactly, because all the bars will just set up their TVs to be on ESPN or Fox Sports or yep. CBS or one of these, you know, stations. You can't go up to a barista and be like, can, can you, you put, put on, on YouTube? <laughs> like, and be like, we don't have that channel. <laughs> so there's, like, technically coverage, just like there's theoretical allies yeah. <laughs> to bring back our last segment. Um, but there's not coverage that adds validity. If your sport isn't on ESPN, people don't think it's a valid sport. Yeah. 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 And I feel like that's why um, ESPN being mediocre with the Kurt Schilling thing yeah. like, is still, I'm still not like, oh, yay. You right. Know? Because they haven't done enough for no. women's sports. Nope. I mean, like, ESPN 3 is more likely to show a men's Ultimate Frisbee game, and I love Ultimate Frisbee. But it but is not <laughs> on the same level as women's soccer our national women's soccer league that has amazing international players that hosts all of the u.s's women's world champion players yeah like this is a league with incredible talent and espn is more likely to show an ultimate frisbee game excuse me yeah (laughs) like that that just boggles my mind yeah and it's 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 hilarious because in the american ultimate disc league which Mm -hmm. is the ultimate frisbee uh, men's national professional league right now um Mm -hmm. guys who are in their late 30s early 40s are on these teams not saying that that you know not saying that you can't be that age and not still be effective you can but Mm -hmm. these guys are living out their you know their glory days they're they get to be on a quote-unquote professional team and they have not worked their whole life to be Mm -hmm. a better athlete or you know be amazing at this sport they just sort of got on the bus early right and and in contrast women's sports uh women's women's athletes um have have worked their whole life to play in the leagues that aren't even like people don't legitimize legitimize them. Yeah. We have women's soccer athletes. This isn't true in the WNBA because their average salary is about seventy five grand. But women's soccer players who have to retire early, like before they even hit the best years of their life, which is usually the late twenties. Yeah. Because they're only getting paid eighteen grand to play soccer. Which is disgusting. which is ridiculous. It's less than minimum wage. Yeah, and um, how can w- people are like, you know, they don't draw big fans. We can't play them as much, but they don't understand that one. Actually, women's soccer draws really big fans, yeah. a really large fan base, and two, you know, maybe if you, we played the women's athletes more on TV on these spots that are prime right. spots, then we would have more turnout. Because the last few women's national teams games in the U.S. draw a larger crowd than the men's national team. like Which they should. Right, exactly. And so all those arguments are just... They're illogical, first of all, which infuriates me. Right. <laughs> and secondly, um, you know, they're just untrue. Right. And I think that another... and. The NWSL, I'm talking a little bit about the NWSL more because I know about it more than the WNBA, but most of the people who are high up in the NWSL and in U.S. soccer are all men, and they're the ones controlling kind of the strings for women's soccer, Um, and I think that's a really large part about why it hasn't grown, Yeah. because men are misogynistic, men are sexist, duh. They, we live in a patriarchy. And so they just assume that the only people who would be interested in women's sports are young girls. Yeah, like 13, 14, 15. And even younger than that, like 8-year-olds. Yeah. If you look at the NWSL, um, their advertising is very, very catered towards, like, soccer moms and their, like, 8-year-old daughters. Yeah. Um, And how can you expect to attract large crowds when you're only catering to that really really small niche niche and i think it's important to cater to that niche because in my opinion young girls are our future yeah um but you can't only do that in a sports league Mm -hmm. and i want to give a really really large shout out here to portland thorns that's portland's uh women's soccer team and like for their opening 
game this season, which was on Sunday. It was the biggest game of the weekend, I would say. It was Portland Thorns versus Orlando Pride, the new expansion team. And it was a home game for Portland. And they paired up with a brewery and created, like, the Thorn Cider that you could buy. That's like, awesome. They were actively trying to cater more towards an older crowd because they've realized as they've done that, because they've been doing this for the past four seasons, they've had larger and larger and larger attendances. And Portland is now known to have the largest attendances of the National Women's Soccer League in the U.S. Well, Though I think, actually, Orlando is going to be um, rivaling them. They're currently doing a campaign for their home opener, which is this weekend, to sell the most tickets out of any NWSL game ever. That is awesome, and I wish them luck. You know? I mean, keep keep the rivalries going like that because it can only get bigger and get better. Right. And so I think that work is being done, but a lot of it really, really has to do with the fact that we have to understand, we have to stop this internalized misogyny and think, oh, women's sports is only attracted to the young girls because they just want sheroes, you know? Or it's attractive to men who want to sexualize women. Specifically, I would like to put down the uniform choice uh, that was forced upon the the Columbia national team. Yeah. Like, they're the V-neck on those poor women's jerseys was, was so lower than low. any v-neck i own yeah and you know i love low v-necks exactly and it would and some of the some of the soccer players had on like t-shirts under that because it's because ridiculous it's to ridiculous. play in that yeah exactly um it, and uh, going off of that just because i think it's outrageous columbia's best player was sidelined for that game for speaking out against the fact that they aren't paid enough or aren't paid at all. The Columbia's, yeah, exactly. Columbia's women's you. national team is not paid at all. And that's BS. I mean, <laughs> you you can't jump on to, as a country, right. a moneymaker because of misogyny and sexism. That is literally counterintuitive. You are dumb. Right. It just It's ridiculous how exploited sometimes it feels like the women's teams are being in every country yeah in, in every country that because, one was just the most salient for me recently yeah and uh, columbia has qualified their women's team has qualified for the olympics yeah they've got some real talent right and it's like these are women's athletes who work their ass off and bring money to your federation and you're not going to treat them with respect yeah but then you're going to go and say well we actually can't give them any money because no one wants to watch them yeah, exactly. It's just becomes this whole really, really toxic cycle that I really think all boils down to a lot, a lot of misogyny, yeah. where we just don't respect women's sports. At least the the five women's uh, players are suing. Yeah, well, they're suing for the whole team. Yeah, well, they're suing for. I thought they were suing for all of women's uh, the women's national league as well. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Um. One other thing, because I, I know you said, you mentioned this earlier is um, the sexualization of women's players, and you see that a lot with Alex Morgan as well. Yeah, that's really disgusting. Um, I think that, and, and like I said, all boils down to misogyny. We sexualize these players. Like, people think that Alex Morgan is less of an athlete because he's so pretty. And then we as women's sports fans, you know, oh, you just like them because you're queer. You know, like we can't actually see value in the sport. Yeah. And I think. I just, oh, yeah. I just like women's sports because I like to look at their butts. No, what? that's your misogyny speaking, <laughs> not mine. Don't project that on me, you turd bucket. Like, we are big fans of sports ball. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go sports ball. We could go on and on about this forever. And I think we might actually do a part two because there's a couple things I would like to address further on. But we're Sounds running good. a little bit short on time this week. So I think we're going to end the conversation there for to be continued yeah definitely. mostly if you are to get anything from the conversation we just had is like really evaluate your internalized misogyny if you watch men's sports and not women's sports exactly all right so let's quickly go through some snaps for and then we'll peace out okay all right who are your snaps for this week nat darn it i was gonna make you start with snaps for oh why is that i don't know but i know who my snaps are for now okay go um, my snaps are for Natasha K. I believe that's how you say her name. I thought you said it was Natasha Kai. 
Her last name is spelled K-A-I, and I know it's terrible because I have a last name that's mispronounced all the time, but I also have a very hard time with last names. <laughs> or English in general. <laughs> or English in general. <laughs> um, but she is a women's soccer player. Very, very, this very much matches up with our last segment. Um, she, I believe, had retired or gone um, semi-pro, but she is back in the professional league in the United States. Um, she scored a goal in opening weekend for Sky Blue. I just really respect her. She's openly out. She has a lot of badass tattoos. She's native Hawaiian, so she brings, you know, a fresh breath of air to a very, very white sport. As progressive as the NWSL is, it is still extremely, extremely white. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really glad she's back in the pro league. I'm glad that she keeps talking about what it's like to be, you know, a woman of color, a lesbian. Um, And I love her tattoos. And she's a great athlete, so... And you think she's cute? I do think she's very, very attractive. <laughs> so snaps for her. Yeah. Um, how about you? Who are your snaps for? Well, my snaps are going to be for Melissa Harris-Perry, just because she um, has become recently the editor-in-chief of mm-hmm. Magazine L. I mean, she took a situation that could have, you know, basically put her out of media for a while. Right. And With the NB- NS- MSNBC. MSNBC, yeah. yeah. Uh, and turned it into a really awesome uh, other job. I mean, yeah. good for her. She's yeah. getting out there again. Yeah, I'm really happy for her. And if you don't mind me rolling off of that. No, go ahead. Uh, just if you want to hear a really good interview with Melissa Harris-Perry, listen to Another Round's interview with her. The yeah. podcast Another Round. They did a great interview with her yeah i think we might have talked about that last uh episode but yeah check it out all right and on that note uh we're gonna get out of here i've got some bad tv to watch yeah that is true (laughs) have a good night y'all see ya